The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, hi there, everybody. Welcome to the new and improved Gary Neville podcast. You've heard him. Now you can see him if you choose to do so on the Sky Sports YouTube channel. Well, we've got a great place to start, Gary. A, a wonderful game of football in which Manchester United have won convincingly, but in which Leeds United have played a big part as well. Your thoughts on that? Again, we thought we would see. Uh, this morning, waking up, I was excited about it. And we know that every game isn't going to be end-to-end, -end, but we've watched Leeds a number of times this season live and we've been thrilled every time we've watched them. I just thought that they would be perfect for Manchester United. I couldn't see how Manchester United, with the players that they have on the counter-attack, wouldn't cause them big problems. Not just on the counter-attack, but also their good one-on-one. -on -one. I didn't think that James was going to play. I thought it would be Greenwood, but whether it be James, Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, fed by Fernandez, they were always going to create big chances. But it was McTominay who... <laughs> was outstanding in that yeah, first few minutes. Extraordinary start. The first Premier League player to score two goals in three minutes of a match. Yeah, I, he was like... I said it was like watching Keenan Scholes <laughs> rolled into one in that first few minutes. And uh, it was a breathtaking start. But they were right at it from the first 20 seconds. Manchester United quick in the passing, running forward, really committed to going scoring goals, knowing full well they couldn't sit back and you know, take this Leeds uh, team on that way. But it was a breathtaking match, absolutely brilliant. And uh, McTominay was man of the match in his first two goals. They weren't easy either. The first one that rolls across him is a difficult technique. And then the second one, like I say, he's got to retain his composure. And there are enough chances missed in this game like that. Um, but Manchester United, it was the it was the perfect style of, of opponent. We know where Manchester United are, have struggled. We know when they're poor, when they have to break teams down sometimes and teams can counter-attack on them, particularly at Old Trafford. But Leeds don't do that. Bielsa's Leeds come at you like you wouldn't believe. They're one-on-one -on -one all over the pitch. They press high. But the minute you get in behind them and you can win the ball back, you're in serious business if you're Rashford. I mean, it was an absolute attacking fest for those United strikers. They could have had... He said that Leeds could have had six goals. United could have had 15. Manchester United mm. could have had 15. And you find Manchester United now third in the Premier League uh, with a game in hand. Uh, are we seeing you know, something that's going to stretch on or are there still the same cracks there that have led to the questions being asked earlier in the season? The form's really good. They're scoring goals. They're coming back in matches. Today they've played well. Big game against Leicester on Boxing Day. But there's something not right but then when you look at where they are in the league and they can go two points behind Liverpool, if you just said at the start of the season that they would be in a position to go two points behind Liverpool with a game in hand coming into Christmas, you'd have absolutely snapped anyone's hand off. Everyone thought City and Liverpool were way ahead and for Manchester United, it was just about potentially trying to close the gap. But no one thought that they would ever be in a position to be so close and they're going to end up second in the league if they can win that game in hand. And it doesn't feel like Manchester United have played like that there's been talk of the manager's job. There's been talk of, you know, obviously going out of Europe was a big problem. The performances at times have been horrible. I mean, first half performances in many games have been terrible. So, all the away wins have been come from behind. Yeah, and you just watch them and think there isn't 
a team there emerging that you think can challenge for the title. And my gut feeling is still to say that. Uh, I don't think I'm sat here feeling that Manchester United are going to win the league. But what I am is maybe surprised. It's bizarre where they are, considering that probably a couple of weeks ago you were thinking... Oh, this could be difficult. This could be a challenging period coming into Christmas, but it's looking a little bit rosier. Before we leave this game, the Leeds United conundrum. Um, lovely to watch, um, vulnerable, a, a good opponent for the teams that believe they can counter-attack on them, but no changing. Even when he made his substitutions, uh, it was still the same. Let's get at them. And they were right at them right till the final whistle. No, Martin, I absolutely love them. I love watching them. I love every game that they play in. Uh, they demand a lot from their own, but he demands a lot from his own players. But the players that are on the other team know they've been in a real game. Manchester United's defenders have just won 6 2, but they'll be in that dressing room thinking, we could have conceded 5 or 6 there today. How's that happened? And there were sometimes teams that I played against Barcelona, obviously, for many years. You played against Barcelona in sort of the, the late 90s and you played against them, and they weren't that great at the time. But every time you played against them, they could score three or four. They just had such. An incredible style, good players. Leeds is not really down to their individual brilliance of the players. They've got some really good players. But it's just the fact that all 11 of them sprint forward, go into the box. They have four and five in the box on each cross. They overcommit. And through overcommitment comes their reward. But it also is their risk. And that's why we said it at the start of the season. They'll lose, they'll lose games six and they'll win games five and six. And that's what's happened this week. Newcastle on a... Tuesday or Wednesday, Manchester United on a, uh, a Sunday. And that's what we knew we were going to get. I, I can't criticise them. I'm not going to criticise them all season because I can't criticise that. And you I don't expect any change from Bielsa? I don't want them to change. I don't expect any change. Bielsa's a great coach. Um, to get a team to commit like that, in that last few minutes, to be losing 6-2 and still sprinting forward like that and giving their all. I know there'll be some sort of cynics out there. There'll be managers who say, oh, we'd get killed if we played like this and all that. I've never seen a team as committed on a football pitch as that that have come up from the championship. I've seen committed teams, but I've never seen a group of players who through 90 minutes of every match I watch them, they run themselves into the ground. They give absolutely everything. They take the ball. They make angles. They create angles. They do all the difficult things. The hardest thing in the world is to get football players to take the ball all over the pitch, all, every single one of them, to sprint to every single ball when you've lost it, to sprint back when you lose it, to sprint forward when you win it. And they do it every single second. It's impossible for me to criticise them. They're going to lose games. They make bad mistakes. They expose the defenders. Lots of things that you can see. The goalkeeper makes mistakes. Lots of things that you can see from a purist point of view. If we were doing a Monday night football tomorrow and that was Arsenal playing against Manchester United, we'd be battering them. Let's be clear. So, but we'll, I don't. We'll get on to Arsenal. Yeah, but I don't feel like I can criticise this Leeds team just coming up from the Championship and watching them as I have today uh, because I feel as though they deserve... Um, some leeway due to the joy that they bring when you're watching them play. And there are very few teams that can make you feel like that. They're a joy, absolute joy to watch. Six for Manchester United, seven for Liverpool and away from home as well. What did you make of that? Well, I switched on. <laughs> thinking this could be a tricky one. <laughs> you know, a little bit spiteful thinking on a Saturday lunchtime I'm at home. Salford are on straight after it. I'm thinking Crystal Palace, they've got those four strikers. Whichever four they play, they're always a threat particularly on the counter-attack. Jurgen Klopp's been a little bit uh, anxious around 12.30 uh, kickoffs away from home, and this is a difficult one. 
you know, Crystal Palace away with the team that they have, they're dangerous. But Liverpool were really, really good. And I think the first half an hour of the game was probably the best half an hour for Liverpool because that's where I think Crystal Palace were playing well. And yet Liverpool went and just cut through them a couple of times and do what teams that win championships do. They hang on in there in moments in the game where it's not good for them, but then they go and turn it up a notch and go and deliver and score. And they did that in the game and it was a painful one, one that I didn't enjoy watching towards the end because you're looking at a team and you're looking for characteristics of a title-winning team. And they've had their bumps this season, Liverpool, with, particularly with the injury to Van Dijk. Uh, Alisson's missed a few games and other things. But th- that was, a, that was a, a, a really good performance, that. It was really, really strong. It's the type of performance that I would have expected Manchester City a few years ago to produce when we were winning titles, the Jose Chelsea team. You know when they just sort of just turn it on a little bit and step up a gear and they've beaten the Jose Tottenham team so it's been a good week for Liverpool that was a that was a big one that mm. that that was a big one I mean obviously to, to do it in the way in which they did it was a big one that again this week they've just demonstrated that you know whether you're going to question Liverpool or not because of the injury to Van Dyke, which obviously has definitely put a cloud um, over them compared to how it would have been because I mean a month or two ago when he was fit I was it's they're absolutely going to win the league then you start to think well without him it mm. could be difficult but I am convinced they're going to win the league. You look at what they've got, what they're doing, the way they're playing, there's no let-up. And I think I'd be very surprised if any team uh, got near to them. I think they will. They could pull away. Bad week for Tottenham, though, who then followed yeah. up that defeat at Anfield by slipping up at home to Leicester, who'd lost in midweek at home themselves. Yeah, we're seeing some bizarre results. Uh, I think that would have really damaged Tottenham, that losing that goal in the last minute of the night at Anfield. I think it would have been a big problem for them. Um, just psychologically travelling back, knowing that it put so much into the game, done well in the second half, and then to, to 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 actually lose the game in that way, I think it's difficult for a team like Tottenham to be able to cope with that maybe two or three days later. And what we saw today was probably a result of what happened at Anfield uh, the other night. And Leicester are a team, again, it's an awkward opponent. If you look at teams that I think Leicester, definitely because they can counter-attack on you and cause you real problems, Crystal Palace, I always think, are a dangerous team. Obviously, Southampton. Southampton. The teams that you just think, you know, if you're not at your best, if you're just falling a little bit below, if you're a few percent off, they're a team that can catch you out, and definitely Leicester are one of those. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Well, Everton won at Leicester and then having beaten Chelsea and uh, three in a row against Arsenal. But the Everton side of that, Carlo Ancelotti, a year in the job. And it's, uh, it's I mean, they're still below Liverpool, which won't play the Evertonians, but it's certainly a cause for some glee going to Christmas at Goodison. Well, every single season for the last, it seems, 10 since I've been working for Sky, I've thought, well, is this 
the season where Everton can really step up and challenge and do better and start to threaten a little bit. And it feels like this maybe is the season that they're going to, I suppose, achieve what they should be achieving. I think it's been underachievement for many years. And I think what they're going to achieve this year is probably what they should achieve, it feels like. Big game for them on Wednesday evening. I don't know if you, I'm doing the game, uh, the, the Carabao Cup quarter-final, Everton versus Manchester United. It's a big game for Manchester United, but it's a big game for Everton because Everton need to win a trophy. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and this Manchester United group of players need to win a trophy. Um, so I think it is a big game. Um, but Everton are doing well. Uh, they've got a style of play. They've got good forwards. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are a real threat. Um, they've got better players in midfield. They look stronger. Uh, and they just look like they've got more backbone to them, more, the more robust, uh, unlike Arsenal. Well, let's uh, finish off with Arsenal, who maybe are not uh, candidates to be finished off themselves. I don't know. They, I mean, obviously, this, they've had this fantastic run, uh, unbroken run in the top flight. I mean, can we use the word relegation around Arsenal? It's, it's been uh, eight defeats already. I don't, I don't think they'll get relegated. I mean, but the fact that we're even discussing it the fact that we're seeing where they are in the league is a real problem um, I think we knew going I mean, we, we know what's happened here at Manchester United since Alex Ferguson left it's a massive challenge when someone's been there for so long and we knew that obviously when Arsene Wenger left there would be a transition period a transformation in the club that would take some time uh, obviously Unai Emery didn't work even though I stand by what I said at the time he's a great coach just didn't work at Arsenal and there are elements of what happened at, at, here at Manchester United that are now happening at Arsenal. Because I think Mikel Arteta has demonstrated uh, that he can coach a team, that he can get a team organised, but something's not right. Uh, it's difficult to put your finger on it. You end up saying, is it the coach? Is it the manager? Is it the recruitment? But the problem is when you get results like they are, you end up blaming all of it because it's probably all true. There is an element of it all just going wrong at the same time. The big issue for me is that towards the end of the Arsene Wenger reign, um, there was massive criticism of him and uh, people had accused the club of becoming stale, him of becoming stale. It was, they were getting sick of, I suppose, just qualifying for the top four or just sitting outside the top four. Um, but the football was still pretty good. You know, you, you still thought when you went to watch Arsenal, you'd see good football. The football's really bad. It's, they're not good to watch. We watched them at Leeds a few weeks ago and I thought it was turgid. And watching them yesterday, it's, it's methodical, but it's not Arsenal. I always, because we've just been used to Arsenal being that free spirit of a team for many, many years and obviously playing good combinations and good passes and interchanging, it just looks now very drab. And that's the one thing I think that Mikel Arteta's got to say. You watch this Leeds team here today, there's a massive enjoyment in the players of how they play. And I think Mikel Arteta's got to do one thing in the next few weeks. Results may not come. The performances may not come, but he's got to make those Arsenal players look like they're enjoying themselves. They just don't look like they're enjoying themselves on the football pitch. Watching that game last night, I saw a team of players who looked like they were toiling and struggling with the fact of maybe how they were being asked to play or whether they didn't believe in the system or whether they think that the other players alongside them aren't good enough. Something's not right. A lot of red cards recently as well. Well, red cards, I mean, ill-discipline. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Shaka the one I mean I've said we've said it I mean every time he plays he commits 100 fouls he could be sent off in many more matches with the accumulation of free kicks he gives away um, and then you just think red cards the Pepe one we were at Leeds we were in that one so yeah ill discipline is a problem but I think they've got to look start to look like they're enjoying their football again football and I know I didn't look like I enjoyed my football because I was always really serious on the pitch 
but I loved playing in this Sir Alex Ferguson team. It was a thrill. We used to go forward. We were committed. You watch this Leeds team today. I don't care if they lose because they're committed. They love their football. They're going for it. You've watched Burnley for many years who play a different way, but they've been a committed team. Sheffield United last season, brilliant to watch, fantastic. You know, many teams were examples of where you Wolves, can see... Another Wolves, another yeah. You know, yeah. They're methodical, mm. maybe more rigid, but you can see that the players have bought into it. Yeah. Mikel Atat has got to get those players buying into it again. The, the idea of going onto that pitch, believing that... Not that they, they, they're going to win every single football match, but that they love football, that enjoyment mm. of football, that thrill, and Arsene Wenger's team's always had that. There was an element of unpredictability about Unai Emery's teams where they looked like they were all over the place, but... The Mikel Arteta team looks more rigid, more solid, but it's a bit boring. And they've got to get that out because you can't bore. I used to say here, you, you can win, you can lose, you can't be bored coming to Old Trafford. And I think Arsenal fans, well, most football fans are the same. They can watch the team win, they can watch the team draw, they can watch the team lose, but they won't accept being bored. And to me, the Arsenal players at this moment in time look a little bored and the football they're producing is looks like a real struggle. Well, watching, they are watching on in droves on the television screen. They can't be in the grounds now, except for one or two select areas of the country. But we've got to Christmas, or the week leading up to Christmas, with football. And it, it means so much. I know it means so much to you. But I think we should finish off by paying tribute to the players, to the Premier League, and everything that's gone. You and I had conversations in the early part of the year. Would we ever see football again? You know, when, when was it? Well, we would, but not not maybe this year even and we've had from June with a little break in the middle I know there have been lots of games and some of the managers are not so happy about the intensity of the fixture list but for those watching at home um, it's been great because if we weren't lucky enough to have these jobs we'd be sitting there watching at home and we'd be thrilled to have all the games on No, it's a credit to the Premier League um, for the way in which they've brought football back safely I saw something yesterday afternoon because of this new strain of the virus that the potentially you would need to be a review around football that's a nonsense let's be absolutely clear we didn't know about this virus six to eight months ago and we knew full well at that point that it was the right thing to do to be really conservative to understand what this virus was but now we've learned a lot more about it you know there are 1650 or 700 tests every single week of premier league football players and we see a small handful every single week of players that are positive the majority, 99.9% .9 of them are negative. And that's a, they've got a full testing system in place. They have the full amber and red zones around the grounds. The players are fully protected in their bubbles. They're playing safely. They're performing safely. The support around the stadium, the, the stewards, the officials, ourselves on the broadcast side, are proven over a seven or eight month period that, that football can operate safely. And also... If it wasn't operating safely, there is no way that this government would take a chance with it because it would be a real high-profile failure. And when the government announced yesterday that it was in, in, in introducing uh, tougher restrictions around large parts of the country, it said construction should carry on. It said manufacturing should carry on. And it also didn't mention football because they don't need to mention football. Football has to carry on because it's, it's quite simply... Um, proven that it can perform safely during this virus and I'm sure there will be no interruption whatsoever to the top six or seven leagues in English football because as like I say it's operated safely and it's proven that it can do so and I wish that the, there would be other industries that they would trust in the same way. 
<laughs> I know that's a personal comment. All that's left for you to do is to look into that camera and say happy Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a really good time. And I know it's obviously going to be a more challenging Christmas this year, but tune in, watch the football matches, and hopefully we can see more like this one today where there's lots of goals, enjoyment, and entertainment. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.